Let's cover some ground. All right, good evening. Uh, here we go, Reb Jim, Reb Howard, Reb Yeh, Reb Aaron, Reb Simcha. And now we've got a few people logging on. All right, let's get going. Today's daf is daf nun test, page 59 in Yuma. And we actually got quite some ways down. We are, I would uh, say, 15 to 16 lines down on nun test, on Aleph. We're up to the words Tanya. All right? It's the second word on the line. Here we go. Tani, we learned in a brisa. Now, we ended off the Gemara yesterday with the Machloikes between Rabbi Yisrael and Rabbi Akiva, whether by the Mizbeach HaPnimi, by the golden Mizbeach, which the whole thing was an Amma by an Amma, whether the Kayin Gadol walked all the way around as he was dabbing on the blood, or whether he stood in one spot and reached around. All right? Each one brought their sources. We had many Ibayasemas had to work it out. Bottom line is, we left off with a machlaikas. Says the Gemara Azoi. Tani, we learned in the Bible, Rabbi Shmuel. There were two kahanim gedailim from the times of the first Beis HaMikdash. Okay, interesting, yeah. In other words, he met them. He met two kahanim gedailim. And they, each of them told him a different story. They did different things. They followed the different psakim. One followed the psak of Rabbi Shmuel. One followed the psak of Rabbi Akiva. Ah, you're going to ask, how can you ever find two kahanim gedolim more alive if one kain gadol could only become a kain gadol if the other one passes away? The answer is, the other one doesn't have to pass away. Let's say he develops a mum, a psul, something wrong, right? So now he can no longer act as kain gadol because something went wrong and somebody else took his place. And these two former kahanim gedolim were alive. Ze'oimer, one kain gadol said, Biyadi hikafti, yeah. When by the uh, by the mizbeach apnimi, all I did was I stood in one place and I reached around. I did a kafas with my hand, all right. Bezeimer, and the uh, the other uh, kain gadol says baragli hikafti. I when I did a kafas with my feet. Zenais and tamal devara bezenais tamal devara. Vnishon gave a reasoning for doing what they did. Because it says, He says, listen, the Torah used the word Saviv, and the same way by the outer Mizbeach, the word Saviv means you mamish, walk around. So too, by the Mizbeach Apnimi, you have to say when you place it around, it means with your feet. Like we said, according to Rabbi Akiva, and that is the entire Mizbeach Apnimi, um, uh, is the same amount of space. Remember, it was one amma by one amma, the same amount of space as the as one corner of the Adam's Beach. And the same way, by that space on one corner, you didn't walk around with your feet. You stood in one spot, you, and you, you sprinkled the blood. So too, by the small Adam's Beach, when you would dab the blood, uh, uh, you know, paint the blood down on top of the Adam's Beach, so you, you, you are able to stand in one place. All right? So each, interestingly, we have two Kahanam Gedalim and... They uh, and they did different zachin. They did different things. All right, beautiful. End of that gemara with no particular um, uh, psak as far as as far as the gemara goes, as it gives us practical applications according to both opinions. Okay. Two dots. Here we go. We're now about a little more than a third of the way down on Nuntas Amaral. We said in the Mishnah, Rebbe Eliezer Aimer. Rabbi Eliezer says, 
the Kohen Gadol stood in his place, Ubechate. And in a, uh, you know, and he would, we'll, we'll call it, he kind of like placed and painted the blood onto the corners of the Mizbeach. Okay? Now, the first corner, we know he did, um, he did in a downwards motion. And the rest, he did in a upwards motion. Okay? The first corner that he met, he did downwards. And the other three corners, he did upwards. He painted upwards. Okay? Okay, that's what our Gemara is going to discuss. Why are you going like this downwards from top to bottom? And why would he be going bottom to top? Says the Gemara first, Masnisan money. Who is the author of our Mishnah who has this opinion? Says the Gemara, okay, Rabbi Yehuda, the author of our Mishnah, the time of our Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda. The Tanya. We'll show you, we'll learn together a Bryce. Rabbi Lezer says the kind God would stay in one place and place the blood. And he always went in a downwards motion from top to bottom. Except for the uh, for the placement of the one diagonal from him. That one, now this is not like our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says you do it the one that's directly in front of you. Says you do it the one that's diagonal. That one you do in an upwards motion. Okay? I lost the place. I'm sorry. Rebuta says, no, Rabbi Lezer says he would stay in one place. Like our mission. Everything was a downwards motion except for the one right in front of him. I'm sorry, everything was an upwards motion from bottom to top except for the one right in front of him that was downwards from top to bottom. Why? Says Rabbi Yudah, very practical. money <laughs> In order not to get any blood on his garments. Okay? You don't want to get any blood on, uh, you know, he's, he's wearing uh, beautiful garments, which we're going to end off today's daf, uh, uh, talking about that as well. And when you go in a upwards motion, um, very often you run the risk of, of uh, getting your clothes more dirty. Okay? Now, let's use our imagination. Even though the smaller Mizbeach, the, the inner Mizbeach, was much smaller than the outside Mizbeach, it also had Kronos. It also had the horns on each corner of the Mizbeach. Okay? So now, if the Kohen Godel would go from bottom to top, then when you're going like that, when you're going in an upwards motion, the blood, Lafi gravity, using gravity... When you, you go into upwards motion, the blood can start running down the hand and touches and touches begadim, okay? Um, because as you're moving up, things, uh, you know, the blood will drip down. So in order to make sure that his begadim didn't get dirty, he would do everything, dip his finger, and then do everything in a downwards motion so that the you, you accomplish having the blood placed on the Mizbeach, and you run no risk 
of uh, you run no risk of soiling the garments. You want to keep the hand motion going like that, as opposed to moving uh, as opposed to moving upwards. Okay, there we go. So first, the Gemara starts at who's the town of our Mishnah? We said it's Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda is the one who says B'shem Rabbi Yezer, that the one right in front of you, um, you would do from top to bottom to avoid any of the initial blood. When you have a lot of blood, that's when it has the greatest chance of dripping. And then he would switch over. Okay. He's a mimenu al-tarei shamuzbeach. The next part of the Mishnah says that he sprinkled the blood on the taharai, which we translated on the purity of the mezbeach. Now this word purity, the Gemara is about to explain to us, should not be understood as in pure and impure. Okay? Rather, what does the purity of the Mizbeach mean? Fascinating Gemara. Listen to this. Says the Gemara. My Taharai. What does it mean he sprinkles the blood now on the purity of the Mizbeach? And for the Gemara, Amar Rabba Barav Shila. Rabba Barav Shila says, you know what the purity means? I love this. Palge de Mizbeach. Dead center. Why is the dead center called pure? Kida Amri Inchi, like people say, Tahar Tihara. The sun is shining the brightest. When the sun shines the brightest in middle of the day, Bahavi Palgadiyama period. When it's the middle of the day, that's what people call it like the purest part of the day. I want to I want to explain why this is so fascinating and, and beautiful. Shute cleates, a simple twig, a simple piece of wood, which we're allowed to use as chach, something that's not been tampered with, is not makabel tumma. It's not susceptible, it's not capable of receiving tumma. What's the deal? What's with this? Something in its purest and rawest form is so stripped. And I'm, we're going to use the word, it's so pure, it hasn't been tampered with. It kind of like you, you ever go out and you see these Neflois Haberi, you see these canyons, these mountains, and you're like, oh, it's like phenomenal. What? It's, it's creation that hasn't been tampered with since Sheshus Imebereshus. You just go out and you're like, this is just so tar. It's not, as soon as something's tampered with and changed, it's capable of being makabal tumah. You take that little piece of, of wood, and now you say, oh, it's my walking stick. Now it's a cane. All of a sudden, it's makabal tumah. It's capable of becoming dummy. What just happened? What happened was you changed it from its most halaga form, from its purest blade. That's what that's what's so beautiful about this 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 uh, the, this Mishnah referring to this dead center of the Mizbech as tahar. It's letting us know it's like the essence of something. When the day is at its brightest, people call it, it's just pure. Because you see the day in its greatest fashion. What's the greatest fashion? When it's in its simplest and most basic. The simplest and most basic is the most halik. It's not capable of being makabotum. When you start playing around and then getting involved and changing and this stuff, all of a sudden tumma starts... Uh, yeah, you know, Tumba starts playing around. I find this to be so beautiful. Such a beautiful concept of the of the Tahara Yisrael dead center, the essence of the Mizbeach. What do we call it? Pure. We call it purity. Gavaldi. 
Says the Gemara Meisvei, they asked the challenging question, how can you tell me he sprinkled it in the dead center of the Mizbech, and that's what it means, Mazeh, that's what it means, Tahar. Kishu Mazeh, we learned that when the when he when the Kain Gadol sprinkles, he's not allowed to sprinkle on the ashes, or on the coals. What do you do? You push the coals to the side, and then you sprinkle. Now, one second, says the Gemara, <laughs> if you're going to tell me, the Mishnah is telling me you sprinkle it on the dead center of the Mizbeach, why do we also say you got to clear out the top of the Mizbeach? You told me the middle, but you're clearing the ashes from the top in order to put it down, right? Allah Rav Shila, Rav Shila says, you know what it means? Al-giluye de Mizbeach. Rather, what it means is you sprinkle it on the open area. It could be in the middle, but it means the open area of the When the, the Torah tells us what is purity, when it says when you have the, the atmius, the existence of the shamayim, that itself is called tahara, it's called purity. Okay. So ultimately, we had a machlaikas. Um, where Rabbi Barav Shila, uh, Barav, um, we did, I'm sorry, we had a change of opinion. Rabbi Barav Shila initially said that it means mamish right smack dab in middle. Now in middle meant, you know, on the side wall. You go all the way up, right, boom, middle. You sprinkle it right there. That's the center of the Mizbech. Uh The Gemara challenged him and they said, I, it's not Shaykh, it's not possible because we're talking about the clearing of the top. And therefore he changed it and he says, oh, you're right. So I'm not talking about the middle on the side. It means... It means uh, on top of the Mizbeach, as the Pasuk says, that's on top, also you clear away. An opening is also called tire. Okay. Now, all we learned so far is, not all, but what we learned so far is they would clear from the Mizbeach HaPnimi, the inner Mizbeach, the coals, right, and the ashes, they move it to the side so that the sprinkling could be done mamish on top of the Mizbeach. Says the Gemara. Weir. Tanya. We learned in a Brisa. Hananya Aymer Hananya says, that the sprinkling was done on the north side of the top. He puts it on the south side. What's the source of their machlaika? Says the Gemara. Mar Savar. One man, the Omar, held that the entrance to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and we already mentioned this Machlekes earlier, right, where the curtains, you know, where the Kangada would walk in through the, this, like there was a curtain separating the Heichal and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. But how did he walk through? Where was the hallway to get in, right? So one man, the Omar, held that the opening was on the southern side of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, Okay. Umar Savar and the other man, the Yomar, holds that it was Bitsad Pischa Bitsafenkai, that it was on the northern side. And therefore, since he's walking in from the north, so the first, you know, we want you to be able to sprinkle as soon as possible. And Mamela, you're going to, uh, you're going to sprinkle as soon as, uh, as you reach that first corner. Okay. Now, says the Gemara, listen, Kikuli al Mamiya, everybody's ultimately going to agree. That as soon as the sprinkling was done, 
Hosom Yahiv al Gabay. Okay? Whenever he finished placing the blood, right? Placing, like we said, putting it down, that is where he would start the sprinklings on top. So he would wipe the blood on the corners, and then he the kind would would um, as soon as he was done, start sprinkling. My time. Why? The place that ended the Kedusha, right? As soon as he finished uh, uh, dabbing the blood on each of the corners, um, that is the same place where he starts to sprinkle on top of the Mizbeach. Okay? So wherever you started, whichever corner you started the touching, that's also the same corner that you're now going to start the sprinkling. Period. End of that explanation of that part of the Mishnah. Okay. Another short Gemara, very short Gemara on the next piece of Mishnah, which is Shiari Adam He said, "Now the rest of the blood he would pour into the by the uh, into the base of the western wall, uh, of, of yeah, of the western side, the western wall of the outer Mizbeach to Amar Kra, because as the pasuk was called that's called Dam Hapar Yishpaich, he pours out all the blood of the bull Bechinafik." And he pours it down the hole, whichever hole in the base he meets first, and therefore it would go down on the western side. Okay. Next part of the Mishnah says the Gemara says the yeah. The the rest of the blood of the mizbeach hachitzain, which was the blood brought for the mizbeach hachitzain would be poured down the southern side. Okay? Now, why did the rest of the blood, why was the rest of the blood poured down the southern side, and then, again, remember it ran into the canal that led it outside the base of Mikdash. What's the idea here of the southern side? The western side, um, we uh, we explained already, because uh, because of the Pesach, that's called Dam Hapar Yishpaich. Okay? And therefore, as soon as you encounter a, a hole in the ground, that, that was the western one. What's with the southern? Turn up on the rabbis there and so should we. Here we go. You you pour the blood on the Yisaitam Mizbeach. Zay Yisaitremus. That's the south. You want to talk about a base? It's the south. Says Gemara, who says? Who says? You know what they say. If you say something with enough confidence, you don't got to back yourself up, right? Oh, come on. You say it's the south side. You say my rabbis. Maybe it's referring to the Maravis, okay? Maybe it's referring to the western side. Like we just explained, it's the first corner you're meeting. So says the Gemara, Amrit, you're going to say, that maybe we should learn out the going down from the ramp, from the Keves, from the Kevesh, the Yitzhiyosim and Hechel, to the same way he left the Hechel, which is what explains the Brisa, my Yitzhiyosim and Hechel, but Samachloi. Just like when he leaves the Hechel, he, he, um, he pours the blood on whichever base he hits first. The Ezeh, and which one is that? Zeh Yisoy Maravi. It was the western side, like we saw in the previous Gemara. Afir Dasmin HaKevesh, so too when he comes down from the ramp. So you pour it into the hole of the base that's closest to him. This is the southern side. Okay? So that's the Psaq of the Mishnah you do on the, on the south side. Same way, by the way, by, uh, we learned in the previous Gemara. That's the first hole in the floor of the base that you're hitting first. Tana, we learned in the Bible, you should know 
that both carbones on the that were brought on the on the mizbeach achitzayni, and anything that needed to be done on the on the mizbeach apnimi, all of that was poured down the western side. He's arguing on the mission. Okay, Rav Shimon Yechayimer, Rav Shimon Yechay says Zevizet Yisai Dreimi. Also, he's also arguing. He says the both on, one says both on the western. This, he says it's the south. Okay, our mission split split up. Bishma, the Rabbi Shmuel says it makes sense according to Rabbi Shmuel because he holds Yomad Sosim and Mefurish. He says that that halacha that you're learning out Sosim should be should be clarified and closed up. The halacha should be closed up Mefurish from the from whichever halacha is already detailed to us. Okay, now which halacha is detailed? We learned that the the blood of the Mizbeach Hapnimi goes in the Mairiv, goes in the West, and therefore, Memela, you'll say the same thing to the, the you know, the same thing you go on the Mizbeach uh, from the carbon of the Mizbeach HaChitzayni, put in the West. According to why is it that both should be put on the South? Where do you get that from? He held that the, the entrance to the Kaidish HaKadoshim, the opening of the curtain, was not to the North, it was, it was to the South. Therefore, the Kaidish was walking out, He's walking out on the southern side, and uh, Bemele, he, he holds the whole route was different, and that's why he argues. They learned the Yeshiva Rabbi Shmol, in the name of the Yeshiva of Shimba Yechai, both bloods of the Mizbeach HaPnimi and the Mizbeach HaChitzayni were poured down the the uh, southern, uh, the the southern Yisaid, the Simonich, and the way to remember that is Mashkua Gavra Ligavra, that um, they kind of uh, you ever play Red Rover, yeah, play Red Rover. What happens? You catch one guy, he ends up joining a team. Right? He ends, now you got a lar- now you got a longer team, and they, they can't get through. So, Rev Shimbar Yechai, the yeshiva, they and and Rabbi Shmuel. I'm sorry, the, yeah, the Roshim Bechai's yeshiva got the yeshiva of Rabbi Yishmol to ultimately agree with them, right? Because again, Rabbi Yishmol's yeshiva, Rabbi Yishmol said everything was in the west. Roshim Bechai said everything was in the south. And then later on, Rabbi Yishmol's yeshiva is quoting a lot of Roshim Bechai. So you see, Roshim Bechai conquered the yeshiva of Rabbi Yishmol, and they agreed that ultimately it should be done in the south. Period. End of that Gemara. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Next part of the Mishnah. Finally, what did we do? We said, All the bloods ultimately mixed together. These, when they were poured down into, by the base of the Mizbechais, so there was a canal, this little ditch, that led all the bloods out of the, of the uh, Kaidesh, right? And it, it followed the stream out to the valleys of the Nachal Kidron. And it fertilized the fields. Let's talk about that a little bit. Alright. Now, our Mishnah had said that when the blood went over and came down these canals, so it was very good for the crops. The problem is, says the Mishnah, it would be considered me'ila for anybody who owned land because you're gaining from the avayda in the Beis HaMikdash. 
Because you're using mamish, the blood of a carbon, to enhance your crops. All right? The Gemara is going to discuss whether this is true or not. That's going to be our sugya. So here we go. Tanu Rabbonu. Bottom line. The rabbis learned, and that's why they're rabbis. Here we go. Mayalim Badamin. We can be over, we can transgress me'ilah bedamim with blood. A person who uses blood for his own personal benefit is over a me'ilah. Divrei Rabbi Meir vir Rabbi Shimon. This is, these are the words, this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Shimon. The Chachamim ma'imrim, but the Chachamim say wrong. Ein ma'yalim bahem. No. It is not your, there's no such thing as being ma'yal, that you committed me'ilah with blood of a carb. So now, just keep in mind before we continue, before we turn the Yaman, Rev Meir and Rev Shimon seem to be exactly like our Mishnah said, that there's an issue of the blood streaming down and causing the owners of the land to be mile. While the Chum say, hey, mile so according to the Chum, there's no issue whatsoever. Okay, my land is enhanced, but you, you listen, it's your blood that enhanced my land. It's blood of an Avaida, and there's no, there's no Me'ila on blood. All right? That's the Chum. Let's turn to Amud Beis. All right. Now, sometimes when you see an Amud like this, yeah, it can either be very fast or very long because there's a lot to talk about, right? This happens to be, uh, this happens to be like in between. So here we go. It says the Gemara like this. Rav Meir and Rav Shimon who say that you transgress me'ila with blood. And the Chamu say there's no transgression with blood. They're dealing with me'ila midrabonon. Whether the rabbis made a decree on the blood of a carbon that you're mile with it or not. Okay? Nobody holds that biblically, according to the Torah, that there's me'ila on blood. Nobody holds that. Okay? Avo midaraisa ain't ma'ila behem. Menonimili. How do we know this? How do we know? That even though usually something that belongs to Hektish, you can't use for your personal benefit. Why would it be that everybody agrees the blood you can, you may benefit biblically? Amar Ula, Ula says, I'll tell you one possible answer. We're going to have a few over here. Ula says, Amar Kra Lachem. Because Baruch who says, sprinkle the blood on the Mizbeach for you. Shalachem yehei. Meaning, it could be used for you. There's no meila. Midaraisa. Listen, if it's mine, that means it's not, it doesn't belong to hectish enough to have me be over, have me transgress meila. God says, Lachem. The only time I might bring meila is when it's not mine. Why does it say it's yours? It's not. It belongs to hectish. Therefore, says Ula, the Torah explicitly tells me, blood. Is lachem and there's no meal. Okay, that's one answer. The Bay Reb Shimon taught And the Yeshiva of Reb Shimon they taught. It says lechaper. The purpose of the Kabbalah Saddam and the Hilacha and the sprinkling of the blood, the purpose of all Avaidah, the blood, is lechaper, to give an atonement. Now, who's getting atoned? I'm getting atoned. What's this blood doing for me? Atoning. Is it doing me'ila for me? No. Atonement. 
That's all. That that that's the only way that's connected to me, to give me a kapara. But it's not going to impact me or affect me as long as, as far as me'il is concerned. That's how they explained it in the yeshiva of Rav Another possible source why there's no me'ila on blood. Okay, so far we have it because it says lachem. We also have it says um, lachaper. The blood is only there to atone. It's not there to cause a me'ila transgression. Rabbi Yechanan says, Omar Kra says in the Pasuk, who it is. The blood is mechaper. It is. Okay? What does that mean? It always the same. It always remains the same. Before the sprinkling of the blood brings a kapara, is this, it, the blood's going to be in the same status as afterwards. Meaning, just like after the blood is already sprinkled and gave me a kapara. There's no longer any me'ila. So to before the kapara, there's no longer uh, going to have a status of me'ila. Okay? Now, the... Um, we're really... Everybody's just viewing different parts of these psukim. Nobody's arguing again as to what the halacha is, we have three different proofs, however, that biblically, the Torah is, a, is really telling us, straight out, there's no such thing as milan blood. What are three sources? We're about to ask on the third, but let's just say the three. First one is that it says, lachem, it's for you. The second one is that the blood's only lachaper, lachaper, it's not to cause me'ilah. And finally it says, who? Which means and just like after kapara, once which we're going to get into this discussion, how do you know that once the kapara is done, the, there's no biblical meila? What where's that coming from? But the same way, there's no biblical kapara uh, afterwards. There's also not going to be biblical kapara. Uh, there's not, also not going to be biblical meila even before. You have, there's no meila on the. What we're saying is there's no meila on the blood even before it's sprinkled. Says the Gemara, one second. According to Rabbi Yechanan, we say, ah, after Me'ila, there's no Kapara. Therefore, before me, there's no Me'ila. I keep, man. After Kapara, there's no Me'ila. Therefore, before Kapara, there's no Me'ila. Ask the Gemara, how do you know that after Kapara, there's no Me'ila? Where do you see that? Where, Rabbi Yechanan, where are you making this up from? There's no Me'ila once you, once you uh, got a Kapara. Ask the Gemara of Eima, La'achar Kapara, Levnei Kapara. Why don't you say after kapara is like in front of kapara? Malafne kapara yesh be meila or yesh be meila. What you're saying is very arbitrary. You're not, you're not giving a proof. Again, we're trying to find a proof that there's no biblical meila. He says, oh well, after there's no meila, so before there's meila. Say, how do you know after there's no meila? Maybe afterwards there's meila, and before there's meila. The Gemara explains. You know where Rabbi Yechanan is coming from. Listen to this. Beautiful. You never find anything where the mitzvah has been completed. Anything that belongs to Hektish. And once the mitzvah is done, you still have me'ilah. Says Rabbi Yechanan. Show me. And since you can't show me, we're going to show him in a minute. But since you can't show me, therefore I know for sure. Once the blood is sprinkled, and the kapara is done, and the mitzvah is done, and now the blood is out there running down the stream to the valley, certainly there's no meila. 
since there's no meila, then there's not even going to be meila earlier. Now, how does he know there's no meila by afterwards? Because he there, there's no precedent. There's no precedent for somebody to have meila once the whole avoid is done. No such thing. Says the Gemara, <coughs> let's learn some halacha together. Velay, are you serious? <laughs> There's nowhere where you're going to transgress me'ila once the mitzvah is done. Baharei truma sadasha. Yeah. Um, what is the truma sadasha that was done every morning that we learned about? The avayda is done on top of the mizbeach. And the truma sadasha, a person can transgress me'ila even if everything's over, even though if the whole avayda has already been done. So you see, even when a mitzvah is done, there's still a transgression of me'ila. What are you talking about? Let's turn to tomorrow's daf. Emperor the Gemara, Rabbi Yechenah knows about this. He knows about Shuma Sadashan. He didn't forget about Shuma Sadashan. However, Rabbi Yechenah also knows that there's a second additional place where the avoda is done. Now try to follow what's happening here. We'll explain in a minute. There's another place where, where the Avayda is done, and there, and there is Me'ila, in addition to Shumas Hadashan. Let's read this inside. The priestly garments. What priestly garments? Look at the top Rashi. The four linen white garments of the Kain Gadol. He has to leave his garments there. No one's ever allowed to get any sort of benefit from these garments. Now his avuda is done; he's finished. But the but the, there's meila. The Torah tells me there's meila. No one's allowed to use his garments. Okay. So truma sadeshan, you finish the avida. There's still meila. Big day kahuna, you finish the avida. There's still meila to personally benefit from the big day kahuna. But what that does for me, says Rabbi Echanan, is that you now have two examples. Of Me'ila, when an Avayda is done, which we call in our terms, Shneik Suvim Habayim Kiyachar. You have two different places and halachas in the Torah teaching me one thing. And any time you have a Torah which lists in two places one similar halacha, what that teaches me is you cannot learn out to anywhere else. Now, this is basic logic. Let's just explain how this works. Means the following. If the Torah would write in one place a halacha, we could make a binyanav from that. We could build off of that and say, hey, okay, well, the same way there's me'ila, let's say, you know, concerning the big day kahuna. After Kangala wears these garments, there's me'ila for anybody to use it. And there's nowhere else in the Torah where that halacha applies. Then we'll say, listen, uh, Maybe we should make a binyanav to other places where the, you have something that belongs to Hektish and you finish with the Avaida. The same way by the big day kahuna, you're not allowed to use it and there's me'ila. So too everywhere else, even when you finish with it, there's me'ila. That's what I would say. But then the Torah writes a second place. And it says, oh, by the Juma Sadeshan. Also when the Avaida is done, there's me'ila. One second. If I could have made a binyanav from from the, the garments of the Kain Gadol, why did the Torah list that second one? Hmm. Hmm. It must be 
that the Torah wants to limit the places that Me'ila will apply, which makes me only be allowed to learn out to the places that are listed. Otherwise, why are you talking about Truma Sadeshan? I would have known Truma Sadeshan anyway from my original Binyanav. Why you got to say that specific? Must be it's coming to limit it to these two cases and exclude everywhere else. So what we're coming out with is as follows. Rabbi Yechanan had, um, Rabbi Yechanan had, had given an answer and he says that the reason why there's no biblical, again, keep in mind, the Mishnah had said rabbinically, rabbinically there could be me'ila on the blood that runs to the valley. Biblically there's no me'ila. We're looking for a source. Ula told us one source. Reb Shimon told us another source. Rabbi Yechanan came with a source and he never really told it to us straight. He just said, oh, I'll tell you why there's no biblical uh, me'ila on blood. You know why? Because... Since there's no me'ila when the blood's rolling down the valley, there's no me'ila even earlier. Says the Gemara, how do you know there's no me'ila when it's running down the valley? Says, oh, you know how I know. Here's where we're up to in the Gemara. Because there's only two places in the Torah where once the avodah's done, there's still me'ila. And the blood running down to the valley is not one of them. The clothes of the Kain Gadol are, the ashes of the, of the Trumas Hadashin are, but the blood itself is not, and therefore, the, the there's no me'ila on the blood once the avaida is done, and and uh, any me'ila that takes place is certainly not going to be da'iraisa. Yeah, um, I think we're going to hold it here for today. Tomorrow's also a little bit of a uh, a shorter daf, so uh, we'll hold it here for this evening. And Bez Shem pick up uh, pick up from Hanichal Rabbanon de Amri, and we're gonna until the Mishnah we're gonna go a little bit back and forth in these opinions and this discussion about uh, whether the blood once it's sprinkled and a kapara has been done, whether there is a possibility of meila.